Hello and welcome to the History Obscura podcast. If you've been following along on the Instagram or on the Facebook page, you have already seen today's teaser. If not, do follow along. Sometimes you'll get a little clue about the subject of new episodes, like tonight's. Are you ready for your bedtime story? Good. Once upon a time, Farouk bin Fuad was born on the 11th of February in the year 1920. The birth took place in Abdin Palace in the Egyptian capital of Cairo. The baby, a prince of Egypt, was given a name beginning with the letter F, just like his five sisters who were called Fauzia, Faiza, Faika, Fafia, and Faukia. Prince Farouk and his sisters were thus named because their father, King Fuad I, had been told by an Indian fortune teller that the letter F would bring him good luck. Perhaps it did. Fuad had become Sultan of Egypt and Sudan in 1917, but when the United Kingdom officially recognized Egyptian independence in 1922, the Sultan exchanged his former title for the Western term, King. At the age of 16, Fuad's son Farouk therefore inherited the title of His Majesty Farouk I, by the grace of God, King of Egypt and the Sudan, Sovereign of Nubia, of Kordofan, and of Darfur. Farouk I was the tenth ruler of Egypt with an ancestral connection to the Muhammad Ali dynasty. He became king in 1936 and went on the radio to speak to his subjects in Arabic. He said, If it is Allah's will to lay on my shoulders at such an early age the responsibility of kingship, I on my part appreciate the duties that will be mine, and I am prepared for all sacrifices in the cause of my duty. Through his father's line, the new king had one sixteenth Albanian heritage that reached back to his ancestor, Muhammad Ali the Great. Farouk I treasured this heritage as his most precious blood possession. His faith in the Albanian people and culture was so complete that he hired only Albanians to serve on his 30-man personal bodyguard unit. At the time of Farouk's rule, Egypt was dominated by its 1% elite set of Turkish, Albanian, and Circassian families. These owned as much as three-quarters of Egypt's land, which was cultivated by ethnic Egyptian peasants called Fellahim. In terms of ultimate control, however, it was Great Britain who exercised constant supervision over the Egyptian administration. Britain had famously intervened in Egypt in the year 1882, 
Following an Egyptian uprising against the unfair wage differences between ethnic Egyptians and those of European descent. A few years later, the Convention of Constantinople granted Britain the right to move military forces to its property at the Suez Canal, thus making Britain's government a vital part of local Egyptian politics. After the First World War, this relationship was elevated significantly when Great Britain declared the Kingdom of Egypt a freshly independent state that no longer held ties to French, Ottoman, and other national powers. Except, of course, for British powers. Britain personally chose Faoud I, Farouk's father, to sit on the throne. King Farouk, therefore, owed his rule to the British government, though given his family's background, he probably did not see it that way. Figurehead or no, it was King Farouk who acted as the utmost of the elite landlords of Egypt, meaning that he had a huge fortune at his disposal. With that fortune, the King of Egypt and Sudan amassed huge and expensive collections, including one of rare coins and one of sophisticated timepieces. The coin collection, which included 8,500 gold coins, as well as a 1933 St. Gaudens double eagle and a 1913 Liberty nickel, is said to be worth about 150 million US dollars today. Farouk also collected rare stamps and any rare or unique objects that simply tickled his fancy, including a Fabergé egg and a solid gold coffee set. The Shepherdess Automaton from the King of Egypt's timepiece collection is one that still fascinates watch collectors today. It recently sold at auction for 690,281 US dollars. The watch is shaped like a golden shield and includes seven moving parts that comprise the painted image of a shepherdess with her flock. And on the second part, a baby who seems about to punch another baby in the face. Truly, have a look at the image, it's on our social pages. Infant violence aside, Farouk's watch collection is world famous. Another of its pieces, the Patek Philippe Reference 1518, was the first perpetual calendar chronograph wristwatch in production. Created in 1941, it is estimated that only 281 of these watches were ever made. The one in King Farouk's possession was personalized with the royal crown of Egypt engraved on the case alongside that lucky letter F. Despite the king's fortune and expensive taste, however, Farouk clearly suffered from kleptomania and perhaps other types of personality disorders as well. Called by many the Thief of Cairo, Farouk pardoned a thieving criminal in exchange for pickpocketing lessons. The king used these lessons capriciously 
at home and abroad. A royal decree by the king stated that only cars belonging to him and his chosen staff could be colored red. His intention may have been to stand out while driving so that Egyptian police would not ticket him. And this would have been necessary since the king was a speedy and manic driver who reportedly shot out the tires of anyone on the road who tried to pass him. Although the Egyptian king was by no means in favor of any degree of British rule in his kingdom, he was obligated to pay respect to his British colleagues. This was particularly true during World War II, when the British military used Egypt as its base for the war in Africa. In August of 1942, King Farouk I invited British Prime Minister Winston Churchill to attend dinner. Churchill dutifully attended, only to find partway through the evening that his pocket watch was missing. The watch in question was a Churchill family heirloom, one that had been given to John Churchill, the first Duke of Marlborough, by Queen Anne at the turn of the 18th century. The Prime Minister was notably aggravated about the missing item, and a search was conducted to try to locate the antique timepiece. Once the unsuccessful search had been completed, King Farouk, who had been seated next to Churchill during the meal, produced it and tentatively handed it over to the rightful owner. According to the Egyptian king, it was all a great practical joke. The international, embarrassing incident did nothing to dissuade Farouk's light-fingered ways, either. In 1944, when the body of the Shah of Persia made its way through Egypt as part of a funerary tour, the Shah's ceremonial sword, belt, and military medals were stolen from the procession. Many fingers were pointed at King Farouk in anger, but Egypt's monarch insisted he was innocent of the theft. Around the same time, Farouk was notably suffering from nightmares, in which he was chased by a hungry, ferocious lion. Believing that the only way to make the dream stop was to conquer a lion, King Farouk visited the zoo and shot two lions in their cages. It was also during World War II that Egyptian nationalists within the armed forces began to plot against King Farouk I. Farouk was no longer loved by his people, and the country's nationalists wanted leadership that had not been appointed by Great Britain. Furthermore, the loss of the Arab-Israeli war previously was blamed squarely on the king. After several years of planning, a coup took place. The nationalist leader, General Nagui, made a passionate statement to King Farouk on the 26th of July, 1952. This statement called upon Farouk to abdicate immediately. Here are Nagui's own words. 
In view of what the country has suffered in the recent past, the complete vacuity prevailing in all corners as a result of your bad behavior, your toying with the Constitution, and your disdain for the wants of the people, no one rests assured of life, livelihood, and honor. Egypt's reputation among the peoples of the world has been debased as a result of your excesses in these areas to the extent that traitors and bribe-takers find protection beneath your shadow. In addition to security, excessive wealth, and many extravagances at the expense of the hungry and impoverished people. You manifested this during and after the Palestine War in the corrupt arms scandals and your open interference in the courts to try to falsify the facts of the case, thus shaking faith in justice. Therefore, the army, representing the power of the people, has empowered me to demand that your majesty abdicate the throne to his highness crown prince Ahmed Fuad, provided that this is accomplished at the fixed time of 12 o'clock noon today, and that you depart the country before 6 o'clock in the evening of the same day. The army places upon your majesty the burden of everything that may result from your failure to abdicate according to the wishes of the people. King Farouk I did as he was instructed by the army, fleeing Egypt and leaving it in the official hands of his infant son, Ahmad Fuad. It was only upon auctioning Farouk's hastily abandoned belongings that the Egyptian state realized the extent of the former king's squandered fortunes. Organizers discovered, among many things, the world's largest collection of pornography. They also found the Shah of Persia's medals, belt, and ceremonial sword. These were returned to the Shah's family. Farouk himself never returned to Egypt, but made a home for himself and his family in Europe. The infant king, Fuad II, went with him. In 1953, the Egyptian monarchy was officially dissolved and Egypt declared a republic. The former queen, Nariman, returned to Egypt and divorced Farouk, leaving him to set up house in Rome with that year's 16-year-old Miss Naples. Farouk bin Fouad lived comfortably, although he had publicly stated he was now a poor man. He lived in the luxurious Via Dusmet and became known as the King of the Night for his frequenting of Roman nightclubs, sometimes with Hollywood stars. His children were sent to an exclusive school in Switzerland. In 1965, Farouk bin Fouad died of a heart attack after consuming an immense dinner at the Ile de France restaurant that consisted of a dozen oysters, a lobster thermidor, two portions of roast lamb with fried potatoes, 
and a large helping of trifle. The former king was at first denied his wish to be buried in Cairo, but on March 31, 1965, his body was returned to Egypt and buried secretly in the royal mausoleum. Later, during the presidency of Anwar Sadat, King Farouk's remains were moved to Al-Rifai Mosque, where Muhammad Ali and the rest of his descendants are buried. Thank you for listening, everyone. Remember to go to our Facebook page, Twitter, and to check out our Patreon page. Please do consider signing up as a patron. We would really appreciate it, and there are all kinds of extra special gifts ready and waiting for you. Good night. Good night.